Grace and peace to you, dear friends, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. By which I mean to say, good morning. That's a beautiful greeting, isn't it? A biblical greeting. Um, it's something that I could, could use a lot more. You know, as someone who starts most text messages with, hey, or, you know, what up, or something silly like that, there's something very precious about that greeting, which you come across many, many times in the New Testament. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Some 18 times in the New Testament, these words grace and peace feature in a verse and normally in a greeting. And we're thinking today, as we've already, you know, had mentioned to us, we're thinking today about the peace that comes through Christ. And I'd like to start as we think about that by considering the crucial role that grace plays in that process. As we think about the peace that we can find from Christ, we need to first of all realize that it's through the grace of God that 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 peace comes to us. Some of you wonder, what does grace mean? One of the ways I heard it put has always stuck with me. You think, what's the difference between grace and mercy? Grace is receiving that which we don't merit, and mercy is not receiving that which we do deserve. Grace, getting what we don't deserve. Mercy, not getting what we do deserve. And as we think about the peace that can be ours in Christ We need to think of the grace, the kindness of God, the generosity of God that He gives to people like me and you, even though we don't deserve it. We are going to start in in John. Uh, We'd invite you to turn to uh, John chapter 14 or or turn in your your tap there in your app, however you want to find it, but it's good to follow along. Uh, The other day, I was really struggling to read my Bible. Anyone, uh, anyone relate to that? I'm sure some of you can relate to that. My, my mind felt this bizarre mix of kind of empty and numb and yet also frenzied and busy. And I was just struggling. I just was really finding it difficult to get into and to, to hear God's word. Um, so what I did was I fired up BibleGateway.com. You can also do this via your phone. And I had the Bible read to me by a guy with, I'll be honest with you, quite a strange accent. But I was still so blessed and so helped as I just listened to John 13 through to John chapter 16. And I just listened to the story of Jesus and his disciples the night before his crucifixion. I listened to how he washed his disciples' feet, how he spoke of his coming betrayal, how he taught them such beautiful, life-changing, actually world-changing truth. And just as I listened, I was just so overcome by the way Jesus related to his disciples, particularly in light of what was coming. I mean, he's about to be crucified. He's about to be executed. He's soon to be all alone. His closest friends are about to completely abandon him. One of them is actually going to betray him into the hands of those who will kill him. And what does Jesus do? He serves them. 
He serves them. Even, as I said, washing their feet. He, he teaches them to, to love one another and to serve one another. And he says to them things like this, let not your hearts be troubled. I mean, Jesus is saying that to them. He knows what's coming, but he's saying to them, friends, let not your hearts be troubled. And he says things like, I will ask the Father, and the Father will send you the Helper. He says things like, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. They were about to feel like that. They were about to feel lonely and scared. Jesus says, don't worry. I will come to you. He says things like, no longer do I call you servants, I call you friends. And in the midst of all of this, he says, as Alex uh, read to us in John chapter 14 and verse 27, he says, peace I leave with you. Here we are, this theme of peace. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. That's the second time he says that in that chapter. Neither let them be afraid. Jesus comes and speaks peace over them. Despite all that's coming, the most evil act humanity has ever been guilty of, and Jesus is speaking of the peace that he wants them to know. Grace. Jump forward a few chapters over to John chapter 20, and now Jesus has been betrayed, he's been crucified, a spear has been plunged into his side, his friends have left him alone, he's been buried before rising on the third day. And the question is, what will Jesus say to those who've run off and left him? What will be Jesus' first words to these disciples who did not believe what he had told them would happen, who had denied him. The disciples who apparently, well, not apparently, actually says it there in the text, they're still full of fear, locked in their home, despite some of them having already seen the empty tomb, despite all of them having heard from Mary that Jesus was alive. What will Jesus' first words be to these men? Look at John 20 and verse 19. And it says, Jesus came and stood among them and said, to them, peace be with you. What are the second words Jesus says to his disciples? Let's keep reading. Verse 20, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. Eight days later, Jesus joins them again. What's the first thing that he will say as he stands among them? Just th This comes just shortly after Thomas's remark that I will never believe unless Jesus does certain things to, to take the boxes of what I need to feel at peace about these things. No matter what you other disciples tell me about him being alive, I will never believe, Thomas says. And Jesus comes in uh, to them a apparently still being fearful. They're huddled together, locked in a, a room, despite all of them having already seen the risen Christ. What are Jesus' first words? Verse 26 says there, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be 
with you. What kind of God is this? What grace is this? What kindness, right? And generosity and love is open to us through this Jesus who says, dear friend, peace to you. Though you're fearful, peace to you. Though you may have abandoned him or may feel close to abandoning him, peace to you. Though perhaps like Thomas, you may have listed out certain things that, 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 have not, that you've not yet seen, that you're not satisfied yet to, to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus come in, in, into those questions and he says, peace to you. He comes in and he says, peace to you, to those who, like Peter, maybe can remember a time when they were full of zeal and passion, but that seems a long time ago. Jesus steps into that moment. Our God is a God who steps into our mess and our fear, steps into the place of our questioning or even our hiding or even our rebellion, and he extends the peace of God to us. Can you hear him today? By the power of the Spirit, you can pray and say, God, by your Spirit, let me hear this invitation, this beckoning from Jesus, this beautiful greeting from Jesus as he would say, peace to you. Peace be with you. Receive from him this morning of this invitation. And... As Jesus says, peace be with you. Not only is it greeting, blessing, invitation, but it is also something of a declaration from Jesus. A declaration about reality. When we think about the peace of God, one of the dangers that we can face is that we can overlay, individualize what it means to know the peace of God. As Jesus says in this moment to his disciples, peace be with you, he's not only desiring that those who would hear those words would know a sense of inner calm. That can sometimes be how we think of the peace of God. That's our sense of being at ease in our souls. I'm resting in the peace of God. That, that's true and that's wonderful. But also, as Jesus says, peace be with you, he is declaring something about the state of the world. In fact, really, he's declaring something about the state of the entire cosmos. This word that Jesus is using, peace, is, is, is deeply connected with the, the Old Testament word that we use for peace. And it's a word that many of you will have heard in the original language, shalom. You know, our, our brother Billy sometimes uses it as a greeting. When he sees you, he'll say, shalom. That's a good thing to say. And it's not only a greeting, it's actually announcing something that is true. It's the same in this Greek word, which is erene. It speaks of more than just an inner reality. It's a word that speaks of wholeness, balance, harmony between God and his creation. It speaks of things being as they should be. That's peace, that's shalom, irene. So when Jesus says, peace be with you, 
as well as it being true that he is, he is communicating something that he wants those people to, to believe. I, I do think that's true. When you look at John 14, 16, 20, when this word is used, and you hear Jesus say things like, let not your hearts be troubled. There is a sense that Jesus wants that individual peace to be known among his believers. But it's, it's more than that. As well as that, here, Jesus, the resurrected Christ, is declaring what is peace with you, in me, because of me, because of what has just happened. He's announcing that because of his death and resurrection, he's announcing to those closest to him that we are now in the earliest days of this new epoch in cosmic history. I'm alive, Jesus is saying. Death is beaten. It's a new day for this world. It's a new day for you. The age of restoration and renewal has truly come. God's peace is coming. In fact, God's peace is here in me, Jesus is saying. It's here. So, peace be with you. Not just private invitation to to help, to that sense of our our souls being warmed. Not just that, but also it's a a, a declaration of what is so in the cosmos for, for us to live under. And this brings us to the second passage, which Alex read for us. If you would go over to Colossians chapter 3, near the start of Colossians, we have this incredible passage, often titled in our Bibles, The Preeminence of Jesus. How it's all about Jesus, how in Him, somehow, it's a mystery, right? We need to pray for God's wisdom and revelation to understand this. But somehow, in Christ, all things are held together. And that actually, through the cross of Jesus, He is reconciling all things to Himself, bringing together all things to Himself. And when we get to chapter 3 of Colossians, we we find that we are caught up in this reality, in this victory of Christ. So look at at verses 1 to 3 of Colossians 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You see, it's this new, completely different reality that Jesus has opened up. Paul is saying, you're part of this now. That's where your life is hidden, right? And then in the coming verses, he's saying, there are consequences of this. There are some changes that need to happen. There are some behaviors that need to go in light of this new reality. And there are some behaviors that we need to embrace from verse 12, the things that we are to put on in our lives. And then we get to verse 15 of Colossians 3. It says this, in light of this new reality, let the peace, same word, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. So, point one, Jesus speaks peace to us in grace, in our mess, in our sin, in our fear, 
in our need. And, and through the, the Spirit, we can hopefully hear and receive that beautiful invitation from Jesus. And now, as we do that, the command comes to let that peace, let that peace established through Jesus be the governing force in our lives. Let the shalom of God rule. Not COVID fears, not family difficulties or family joys, not Christmas stress, not individual desires or aims or, or pressures that we feel under. Let the peace of Christ rule and reign. God's in control. God's kingdom is coming. God's on his throne. He knows you. He loves you. He holds you. He knows the end from the beginning. Let that reality rule and reign in your life. It's a command. There is something for us to do here, but I love the nature of this command. Let the peace of Christ reign. It is what is true. Let it be your reality. Sink in. Fall back into the wonderful truth of what is the peace of Christ reigning. This is not a burdensome command. It's like when you're welcomed by a guest, you know, one of those people who's just wonderful at opening their home. And you might come in and you're all stressed and they say, hey, listen, you don't need to do anything. I do have a command for you though. Take off your bag, put your bags down, take off your feet and just sit back and relax. And I'm going to bring you blessing. I'm going to bring you food. I'm going to turn the temperature up to make it nice and warm. I'm going to put on some nice music. Just you let this blessing come on you. That's the nature of this command. It's not that we need to do this, do that, do the next thing so that the peace of Christ can reign in our lives. It's, it's let this reality come over you. Will you not only hear and respond to the invitation of Jesus today where he says, peace be with you, but will you let that reign, that rule of Christ, that rule of the peace of Christ be the governing reality in your life? And, and will we together let that be the case? I mean, Colossians 3.15 there speaks about us being as one body, right? We all have different things that we put in place, uh, that place of governance in our lives. Make it Jesus' reign of peace in this Advent season. So there's this invitation from Jesus. There's this announcement of this new reality. There's this command to let that reality shape how we live and lead our lives. And now finally, a promise of what we can expect as a result of this. It's the third passage that Alex read to us in Philippians chapter 4. Go back a few pages or tap back a few chapters to Philippians 4. And I'll just read from the very end of verse 5. 
the verse division here is probably not in the ideal place. So the, the, the flow in might be this. It's, I think it's the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here's the promise. And the peace, same word, of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. As we respond to Jesus' invitation, as we day by day sink into that beautiful reality of the ruling peace of God, allowing it to become that sort of governing force in our lives. As we do that, the peace of Christ, Christ guards our hearts and our minds. This is the kindness of God. Sometimes we just need help, don't we? I'm sure in this year, your heart and your mind have come under all sorts of attacks. But here we're, we're told there's, there's help. And it's, it's active and it's ongoing. A better translation might be, the peace of God will keep guard over your hearts and minds. And have we not heard this in our church? In testimony after testimony, brief aside, you're going to have an opportunity. We're going to send an email out this week. We're going to ask for two or three minute little testimonies by video, which we're going to show in our kind of last Sunday of the year testimony service. Obviously going to be different this year. Two or three minute little videos. Maybe you can, maybe you can speak to this. Haven't we heard in testimony after testimony, so many people going through the most horrific circumstances that life could throw, and you're wondering how on earth are they coping? How on earth are they getting up every single day and continuing? And you hear, do we not, again and again, I have known such peace from God. It's guarding my heart is guarding my mind, beating away many attempts from the enemy to sow confusion and fear and hopelessness and feelings that God has abandoned me. Ultimately, God's peace carries me through. It doesn't mean it's pretty. It doesn't mean it's easy. We certainly do not in this church want to be people who put on the fake smile to come here behind your mask or without a mask. We don't want to be those people. Um, when my, my mom died a few years ago, I described to a few people how it felt. And to be honest, I wasn't ready for this. But the, the little phrase that just came to me and that I've stuck with as I reflect on that time was, that I felt like I was surrounded by, caught up in a fog of pain and peace. A fog of pain and peace. And then it would ease slightly and I'd call it a cloud of pain and peace. And the reality is, sadness is real. Questions are real. Doubt is real. Sickness is real. Relational strife is real. But there is, here's the good news, 
There is a guard standing at the front of your heart, the front of your mind, and it is the true reality of the reigning peace of God in this world, and it is the fact that we are invited into, and indeed through Jesus Christ, caught up in the reality of the reigning shalom of God. Whatever enemy you're facing this week, it will not have the last word in your life. The reality of the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until the day of Christ comes. I know this is not easy, right? Every single one of these little steps that we have looked at acknowledges the challenges that we face. Firstly, Jesus speaks peace despite fear, despite that sense of failure, despite that sense that we've blown it again. Secondly, the peace of Christ rules and reigns even when there are other powers in our life that vie for control of how we will feel and act. And then finally, this peace will guard our hearts and minds even in light of the many, many attacks that come at us. This is not cutesy, it's not simple, but it is glorious. And it's something that we can pray for and hope for and wait for in this Advent season. The full, final peace of Christ is coming. That's what Advent's about. It's about that which is coming. It's about the peace that has come in Jesus. Do you remember the angels announced it? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to all men in whom God is pleased. The peace has come. The peace of Christ can come today. Open your heart to the Holy Spirit. Let the peace of Christ in. And indeed, in Advent, we hold on to the truth that the peace of Christ will one day finally come when Jesus' kingdom is fully revealed in the new heavens and the new earth. So, pray with me now as we close. Pray with me. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you have come. Thank you that you will come, and even now, come by your Spirit. Help me know your peace. Help me live in light of your peace. Grace and peace be with you through God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.